You know how you win the battle? Listen now. You and I have the opportunity to walk in victory, to claim the victory, to experience the victory that is already ours. Because I know I have something to offer. Go where you have never gone before. What you got? Keep moving through the pain. Keep moving forward. Do what you've never done before so you can be the woman you know yourself to be. I live my life playing to win. I'm after something. So much in you. We have the victory. Hey, Purpose Chasers, welcome to another episode of the Pray, Plan, Slay podcast. And I'm your host, Shantae Sapphire. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Pray, Plan, Slay podcast. And of course, you can follow me at Shantae Sapphire. The links are in the show notes. Now, let's get this show started. Today, I have with me Miss April Stewart. April is a self-made millionaire and certified financial coach who helps high-achieving women turn their six-figure incomes into a seven-figure net worth. After purchasing her first home, then losing her job, April found herself in a scary place with no income and minimal savings. Moving forward, April was determined to no longer live check to check. She began to study personal finance, eliminate debt, save and invest in the stock market. Before she knew it, April had accumulated over 1 million in assets, making her a millionaire in her 30s. April uses her money journey to help female professionals go from mediocre to millionaire in their finances. She does this through her millionaire money plan coaching program, speaking engagements, and workshops. Now, let's welcome April to the podcast. April, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. It is absolutely great to have you. April, we just heard your amazing bio, and I can't wait to get into this interview. But before we get started, tell us a fun fact about you that is not in your bio. So a fun fact about me, something I get teased about a lot, is that I'm a Trader Joe's fanatic. So, And I'm a complete sucker for the new sign. So when I'm going to the store and I'm strolling the aisles, if there's a new product that they have, which they always do, they're always rolling out new stuff. Like I have to try it. So it's a problem. Like I'm just a sucker for the new sign and I'm always buying stuff. And also I'm gluten-free. So I really appreciate all of the treats that Trader Joe's has for us gluten-free people. I love that. It's something about when you find your store and you know that they always have something good going on and you go in, you're like, hmm. Because you trust them now. So you're just like, right. yes. that might be really good. I know, I know what you mean. Yes, it is blind trust at this point. <laughs> I love that. Yes. Now, April, you went from living paycheck to paycheck to millionaire status. Tell us how you made that significant money move. So really, it was about discipline and focus. So I was tired of having a good salary, um, but having little to show for it. Um, So when I started my money transformation, I was in debt. I had minimal savings, but I finally realized that I had to get on the plan for my money and execute it. So I began to create a monthly spending plan and it really changed everything from there. 
Um, having that insight into my money, my money is what really changed it all because my money was no longer a black hole and I was able to do more with it, like eliminate debt, save and invest. And that's ultimately what put me on the path to becoming a millionaire. Wow. I think that is something that a lot of us can relate to. You know, we go to university, we have a good paying job. And at the end of the month, we get to a point where just where we just feel like, well, where did all of that money go? But I love that you said, I'm tired of this. I need to sort this out. And you said you developed discipline and focus. And those are two very important attributes that we forget are part of most success stories. Yes. Yeah. And I think people, those are two things I think people tend to run away from and tend to shy away from. So, you know, people often don't want to discipline themselves because I think they think of discipline as a punishment, but really it's not like, you know, disciplining yourself really frees you. It it really is liberating um, because it allows you to accomplish your goals, to get things done, which ultimately for me created that financial flexibility um, that I came to enjoy. So it was worth it. Like I always say, a little bit of short-term sacrifice for long-term gain. So um, it definitely was all worth it. Yes. And I think just the generation we live in, everything is so instant. We want that instant yeah. satisfaction. I think they satis- satisfaction. <laughs> we I want, got you. <laughs> we want that instant satisfaction. But I think they call a lot of us the microwave generation because we're so used to having things that we want. We want it and we want it now. And there's mm-hmm. nothing called waiting. There's nothing called discipline. So we have to learn the importance of delaying our gratification, like you said, for a long term gain, because at the end of the day, having the newest thing now is not going to matter when you're retired or getting ready to retire and you realize, well, I've got about $2,000 in my bank account. Am I ever going to actually be able to retire? Yeah. Yeah. Because we want to retire in dignity. I know like right now at our age, um, you know, it's not sexy. It's not fun to think about retirement um, that's down the road. But the truth is it's coming like you can't avoid it. And when you get there, you want to retire in dignity, dignity. You want to um, have something say so that you can enjoy your life so that you're not dependent on the government or your children as your retirement plan, because neither one of those are good plans. So I think it's important now to pay attention to it and prepare for it because it's coming. This is so true. It is coming. And I was having this conversation with my fiance and I I was just thinking about it, that I I work for a government-based business in the island where I'm from. And the headline earlier this week was that in 26 years, there will be no money left in the government pension scheme. Mm. So that is the pension I'm currently paying into. And I'm far from retirement. And I'm saying, wait a minute, (laughs) 26 years is around the corner. So you're telling me that I'm putting all this money in right now that I won't be able to get out. And then I started to think about what the government pension scheme payouts look like. And it's Mm -hmm. nothing compared to what you're actually making in this day and age. Right. You're making, let's say you're making six figures and then the government payout is only maybe 500 to a thousand dollars a month. That can't sustain you by itself. Oh, absolutely. That is not a retirement plan. I mean, that, and you know, I'm, I'm sure in Bermuda, you know, whatever your system is, but here in America, you know, it's the same thought that 
maybe once I get to that point, Social Security may be gone. So I think, you know, we should all have that mindset, whereas that's not guaranteed. That could be gone by the time you get to retirement age. And if it's there, then it can just be the bonus or the gravy on top. But that's definitely not anything you want to um, plan for, depending on. Yes. Yes, definitely. Now, April, I can hear that mindset shift that you've had to get you to the place where you are right now. What helped you to shift your mind from the paycheck to paycheck to, you know what? I have a goal and I'm going to stick to my goal. What is the the mindset triggers that you had to activate? Mm -hmm. So really it was about, um, you know, what serves you. So the behaviors and the actions and the habits I had currently weren't serving me or at that time weren't serving me. So basically it's like, you're going to have to change. You're going to have to do something different. And I learned that I had to come to have a relationship with my money and actually treat it like we're in a relationship with each other. So that meant I had to spend time with it. I had to pay attention to it. I had to nurture it because it, as I, if I continue to ignore it or neglect it, as I've been doing in the past, then, you know, it'll leave you just like someone in a relationship. So um, I ultimately had to become more hands-on or if you will, intimate with my money and um, really pay attention to it. And that's what, um, and I know a lot of people don't really want to be that hands-on with their money. Their money, I know money can be, I guess a sort of topic for people, but I really think having that hands-on um, relationship with it, especially in the beginning where you're establishing things. Um, and then, you know, if you want to automate things as time goes on, that's great. But I think we really need to start with getting really hands-on with our money and really intimate and knowing like what's going on there in that relationship. Yes, I completely agree. What do you think is stopping most of us from getting hands-on with our money? I don't think money is one of those things where people just don't want to look at it. I think a lot of people aren't in the place or they don't have the relationship with money that they would like to have. And they're not in the place with their money that they'd like to be in. So they just kind of treat it as, oh, you know, if I don't look at it, if I don't pay attention to it, like the problem will go away or I don't have to deal with the problem. But, you know, again, I think there's a a quote that says, um, you know, staring at the mountain isn't going to make it smaller. Like you have to actually do something. So just ignoring it and, you know, putting it at bay is is not going to solve the problem. So I think that we just have to face it. And I think once you actually get in there and get insight to insight into it and what I'll say, get insight into it and then also start to actually manage it. Things would change. Like my, my, my relationship with money changed, like from what it was before I started my money journey to what it is now. Like I actually came to like really love it and really enjoy it. I enjoy doing my monthly spending plan now. Like it's one of my most favorite things to do. So your relationship with money can change, but you just have to address it. Like you can't ignore it or run from it. I love that. You said, you know, a lot of us don't want to look at it. And the second you said that, I remembered when I was away, I was in the UK, I was in university. And I had this thought that if I would just swipe my card and not look at the balance, then the money won't run off. (laughs) Mm, wow. <laughs> I just go, I would just go to pay for things on a prayer. And you know, that's a different lifestyle when you're a student and you're just trying to make everything work and making yeah. it. But I would feel like the second I checked how much money's left, all of a sudden it disappears. <laughs> and yeah. I think it's 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 just bad habits like that that we may have had when we were younger, or even seeing other people have that sort of gets ingrained in us and becomes mm-hmm. a part of our behavior. But like you said, staring at the mountain is not going to make it any smaller. So we have to deal with these things 
head on and not dealing it with it is what's going to keep us in basically financial captivity. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right about that. So yeah, very important to just go in there and just change the relationship. Like do what you have to do to change the relationship. Like it can happen. It will work. I'm living proof. Like I turn things around and you know, so can, so can anyone else. I, I love that. And I remember watching something. I think all this money stuff has just been coming up a lot lately. And I feel like you've found a way to do this. You stop working for your money and start letting your money work for you. Mm-hmm. And the video that I was watching, the gentleman was explaining that we have this idea that hard work is what's going to get us through. But he said, if you look at all those people who you know in your community who work hard, who have three and four jobs, they still don't have enough money. Mm-hmm. Some It's still not helping them. So it's not about hard working, it's smart working. So yes. tell us some of the ways that you learn to make your money work for you. So um, one of the biggest ways for it to work with me, for me was to basically have a, a plan for how I was using it. So that spending plan, um, again, is one of the most key things. So with that, I was able to get insight into, um, you know, all of my expenses. And I realized that once I actually started to do my spending plan, I felt like I got a raise. Um, because before that, I wanted to save. I was living paycheck to paycheck, minimal savings. I felt like no matter what I did, I couldn't save money. And once I started to like lay it out all on paper, um, I realized like, oh, I have more money than I realized. And from there, I was able to actually put it to use, like make a plan for it. So like I said, I began to um, work on my debt elimination um, because I realized that, you know, we tend to normalize debt and debt shouldn't be normalized. And I think most of us think like, oh, I'll just have my student loan forever. I'll have my mortgage forever. You know, I always have a car loan, but you don't have to. So that was one of the biggest um, transformation shifts, mindset shifts that I had was that that you don't have to normalize it. Like it doesn't have to, you know, be in your life forever. You can knock it out, eliminate it. So I got rid of all of my debt except for my mortgage. And um, and then also, you know, I built my my savings up so that, you know, I'm not building with one hand and tearing down with the other because I didn't want to have to resort back to debt um, in an emergency. So of course I had to build those cash reserves. Um, And I became debt-free in 2008 and have not gone back into debt since then. So it's completely possible to to live that way, to live that debt-free lifestyle. Um, So yeah, I would say doing that, you know, earning money or earning interest instead of paying it out was one of the biggest things I wanted to do. And then from there, having that strong financial foundation really set me up to invest. So I had my expenses under control. I had my income under control. Um, how I was managing my money. And from there, I was able to take my my surplus and invest. And that's the best way, of course, you can make your money work for you. Compound interest. Like um, There's a quote from Einstein that says that, uh, I think it's like something like compound interest is the greatest invention um, known to man or something like that. But yeah, compound interest is a powerful thing. So that's one of the best ways you can really make your money work for you. I love those three things you got. You saved more, you eliminated your debt, and then you invested. Now, I want to know what advice you have for somebody who may be listening to you right now and may be thinking, how do you even start to save money? I don't even know where to start. 
what advice do you have for that person? Um, for saving money? Well, it, it really is looking at starting with your spending plan. So looking at, you know, all of your expenses and if there is a way, because of course there's a two sides equation, there's your income, there's your outgo. So of course, if you can increase your income, you know, that's, that's great. But in terms of working with what you already have, it's a matter of really looking at your expenses and seeing if there's anything that, you know, redundant, if there's anything that's excessive and just really getting that all lined up and in place and really doing that will, you know, set the path for you to begin to save, you know, little by little over time. And I think once you start to build that muscle, it will become second nature because as I said, when I first started, I couldn't save for anything. Like I just, just couldn't make it happen. Like I never was able to save anything. But once I really got insight into my money and got that under control, and once I began to save and start to build that muscle, like now I'm a very good saver. Like I, <clears throat> saving money is, it's very, it comes very easily. So I think it's a muscle that you have to build. Mm, saving money is a muscle that you have to build. That is a great way of looking at it. The more you save, you more you 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 grow that muscle. Yeah, and there was a, uh, a Instagram live I did about this, um, and one of the things that I found a, a statistic that said that only about eighty percent of us are natural. I mean, eighty percent eighty percent of us are not natural natural savers. So it's only a small percent of us, like maybe twenty percent, that are natural savers. And for everyone else, the vast majority, we just have to learn it. We just have to build that muscle, build that habit. So. It's okay if it's not naturally in you. It's fine. Like most of us is not in, but we just have to overcome that. Yes, I agree. We do have to overcome that. Now, for somebody who's listening to this conversation and and is saying to themselves, April, this all sounds great. But some of the things that you mentioned, like investing and compound interest, how do I even begin to, to know the right financial terminology and have the right financial uh, mindset and the literacy I need to move forward in this area. What would you say to them? I get that because investing was one of the last, I think, personal finance concepts that I really got a good grasp on. Other the other things I understood easier, but when it once when it came to investing, that was one of the things that I um, was one of the last things I really got to grasp. And I mean, of course, there are books and podcasts that you can listen to as free resources, but um, Ultimately, I think you have to know yourself and your learning style and your level of self-motivation as well. So if you can really find the right resources and teach yourself those things, you know, great. But for a lot of us, I think with guidance, um, you know, and coaching, that's a great way to learn those things. And in my with my students that I coach, um, I teach them the basics of investing in, you know, clear language that they can understand and words that they can understand. Because I know that when I was learning it, it was it was a bit daunting. So I had to figure out how to make it digestible. Um, and that's, you know, one thing that I enjoy doing, like taking those terms that are seem complicated or intimidating and letting people know like, no, it's not, it's really not that bad. Like if you watch the talking heads on TV, of course, you know, you'll get lost, but okay, like pause, like take a deep breath, like step back and let's, let's really explain, you know, understand in simple terms what this stuff really is. And I think that, yeah, it's just a matter of having someone that can explain it to you, um, you know, in a simple way. Yes. I think that's so important. And when you don't know, don't be afraid to rely on a coach. The coach will get you there a lot faster than you will get yourself there because they will be able to make it digestible for you. So that is a very good point. April, 
what is the biggest misconception that we have when we're trying to grow our wealth? I think that um, one of the biggest things that, one of the biggest misconceptions I believe is that people think that you can, you can get it quick. Like there are like fast shortcuts that you can take or that the rich know the secrets that others don't. And I will admit that I didn't necessarily think that there were, you know, necessarily fast shortcuts, but I did think for a while, like maybe there's secrets I don't know. And um, even on my journey, like I think I was even at the point of, it was even maybe after I hit millionaire status, but I was wondering, okay, well, how to become a multimillionaire? Like, you know, what secrets don't I know? And what I have come to learn is that there really aren't any secrets. There really aren't many secrets. Like it's, there are no secrets. There are no shortcuts. Like you just really have to do smart things with money consistently over time. So yeah, there are things that you can do to maybe turbocharge things in certain ways, but I really have found no secrets. So I think that the the biggest misconception people have is that. And I think it just really takes, it's a matter of doing the work. Like you have to get in, you have to know, um, you know, some of the right things to do and then just do the work. Like, you know, stop chasing, like maybe scheme after scheme, thing after thing, just really get a plan, get a good plan, get on a course and just execute it. And with time, like you will reap, you will reap the benefits. That is such important advice. I think a lot of, us think there's some way to get rich quick. Mm. But I always remember that saying that if you get it as quickly as you get it is as quickly as you lose it because you are not actually building the skills when you get it quick. You're not building up your muscles, right? You're not Mm -hmm. building up your saving muscles, your investing muscles. You are just looking for a quick fix and hoping that that will help. So I love that you said that the rich... (laughs) don't know secrets. They just do smart things with their money on a consistent basis. And it's that word right there, consistency, that Mm -hmm. ultimately make the difference, especially when it, well, with everything, but especially when it comes to saving, because you can't be consistent for a month and then not consistent for the rest of the year, because that savings that you once had probably with their way into nothing. Yeah, it has to become a lifestyle. And then, you know, touching on something key that you said, like with, oh, with wealth. Okay. So, you know, you made a great point about, you know, as fast as you get it, as fast as you lose it. And I think with that also is that, you know, when we're looking for these get rich quick things, um, you're not learning money management and, you know, how to have a relationship with your money during that process. So again, like you said, you can get it quick, but then you don't know how to keep it. You don't know what to do with it. So a lot of times you blow it, you lose it. Um, And that's why, you know, the statistic on lottery winners, people that really hit it big and within a fairly short amount of time, they lose it all. And that's because they just, just because you have money doesn't know, doesn't mean that you know what to do with the money and how to, um, manage money. So I think that's the biggest and best thing you can do for yourself is to learn how to um, have a relationship with money, how to manage money. Yes, I completely agree. And one of the things I say 
um, on this podcast often is if the Lord can trust you with $50, how on earth is he going to trust you with $5 million? Because it's the same skills you need to manage the $50 that you need for the $5 million. It's the same foundation of skills. So we have to make sure that we are not just spending or wasting away the blessings of the Lord, but we want to be good stewards of our money. It's, it's biblical as well. Absolutely. And um, I love the word steward. You know, it's my last name. (laughs) And I definitely think that, you know, God wants us to be good stewards of the resources he gives us. And in doing that, he'll entrust us with more. But if we're squandering our resources, why would I want to give you more money to waste? Like, yeah. So being a good steward of your resources is right. And that is true. And you were just talking just now. I just thought of the analogy. If you know that your child, if you know that every time you give your child money, they just waste it. You're not going to feel like giving them money anymore. You give them $10 once a week and they've come back and they've spent the entire $10 and within an hour, they want 10 more dollars. You're not going to keep giving them money because you're going to say, well, hold on a minute. You're wasting your money. You're not saving anything. So that's the same way I feel like the Lord looks at us like, wait a minute, I've given you blessings. You're wasting it. So let me hold on and just wait till you learn how to strengthen that muscle so you can be a good steward. Yeah. Yeah. That's very important. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Mm -hmm. So April, how important is investing in the stock market with regards to growing your wealth? Uh, I think it's extremely important um, because I think the stock market is a great wealth building tool. And like I mentioned the, with the, the quote from Einstein that, you know, the most powerful, I think that what he said was the most powerful force in the universe is compound interest. So for long-term investment investors like myself, there's nothing else that will allow you to passively grow your money over time. So basically with investing and especially long long-term and long-term investment strategy. You basically get to grow your money on autopilot if you have the right investment strategy. So, you know, you don't have to be so involved in it as maybe as you would have to do with day trading or trading stocks, all of that, just kind of letting your money grow long-term and investing in some good funds and just letting it do its thing. You know, you can essentially be on autopilot. So of course, I think that's powerful because I think people tend to muck things up really when they put their hands in it too much and get too involved in it. So I think, you know, having that type of strategy is great. And then of course, the earlier you get started, the better. Um, But of course, it's never too late for anyone who felt like they didn't start early enough. Today is better than never. So yeah, I definitely think investing in the stock market is, is good for generating wealth. Yes, I completely agree. And even in the Bible, in Ecclesiastes 11.2, it says, invest in seven ventures. Yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. And that reminds me of how they're always saying that, you know, the wealthy has at least seven streams of income. Mm -hmm. And we always think that that's something worldly that the rich, you know, know, but that's something that started in biblically. The Lord tells you to spread your money out, to invest in different avenues. So if anything happens to one well of your money, you're not left destitute. There's six other wells that you can go and you can go dig another well while your money is working for you. So if you're listening to this and you're saying to yourself, okay, I need to start investing, get the right literature, start reading, start listening to podcasts, turn on 
I don't know, Bloomberg, turn on something to get your mind going so you can start learning. And of course, connect with April, who (laughs) is a coach that can help you in this area. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, very important. I think that guidance um, and, and investing also investing in yourself. And I think that's something that, you know, we tend not to realize that we need to do or we tend to undervalue the importance of that. And that's something that I've been doing a lot more in the past couple of years. I'm realizing more and more the importance of it. So from a personal development standpoint, that's something that I've been doing more of. But then also now that I have this business that I'm doing, so investing in my business. But I think um, these investments that we make in ourselves, like when we do coaching, like I still do coaching um, and various aspects of my life, both personally and with business. So I think always investing in yourself, investing in the stock market, all those things pay dividends um, and you get your return. I completely agree. April, another thing I wanted to talk about is income versus network. Now, there are a lot of people who may be making, you know, that six figures. They finally feel like, okay, I've arrived and I'm now making Mm. six figures in my business or in my job. But what is really important? Is it how much money I'm making or what my net worth is? So that's an interesting question. I like the question. It's a good question. So while I think they're both very important, I'd say your net worth is definitely more important because your income speaks to your ability to earn. So it can really supercharge how you build wealth if you use it correctly. But your net worth speaks to your ability to basically flip that income into wealth. So having a high income is of no use if you just spend it all. So that's not you know, that's not the end all to be all. Um, What really matters is how much you keep and how much you grow. And that's, you know, where your wealth comes in. So, or your net worth. So, um, and just for anyone who who doesn't under, you know, know the equation. So your net worth is your assets minus your liabilities. And your assets are things like, you know, if you own a home, you have the value on it or your, see your, your stock portfolio, any investments you own, um, any other type of investments, real estate. Um, And then things, like your, in terms of that liabilities, things like your, the mortgage that you have in your home, the part that you owe, any car loans, credit card debt, student loans. So, you know, basically once you take your assets, everything you own versus minus your liabilities, everything you owe, then, you know, what you have left over is your network. And um, so, yeah, so your income, like I said, it speaks to how much you can earn, but your net worth actually speaks to how much you actually kept and you grow and you grew. So it's, it's, it's what you're going to, what you're left with at the end, because your income can go, you can spend it all, but you know, having a net worth is definitely, I would say the more important. I agree. It's very important. One of the things that they say here in Bermuda is that uh, Bermuda is one of the most, if not the most expensive place to live in the yes, world, which yes. is unfortunate. But then they're on a visit. Yes. <laughs> Such is life. And I don't know when you came to visit, but I'm sure it's worse than whenever it is you came, even if it was last year. But mm. one of the things that they they say locally in my community is that Bermudians, a lot of Bermudians are property rich and cash mm. poor. Mm. And that's because our houses are all basically million dollar houses in, in this market. But once you take away the debt that we owe, we don't right. actually have any available cash. So growing your network, getting rid of your debt, increasing your savings is so important. And it's something you can do no matter where you live, even if you live in the most expensive place in the world, there's still ways for you to save. And if you are confused about, okay, I really don't know where to get started. Trust me, a financial coach can help you position yourself and help you flip your income into wealth. I think that's exactly how April put it. So April, tell us how a financial coach 
can help us flip our income into wealth? Well, a a financial coach um, basically empowers you with education. So the education and the tools that you need to make good money decisions. And the coach can also teach you the basics of investing as I talked about so that, you know, you can feel empowered to actually go out and get in the game because a lot of people are intimidated and they don't trust the stock market. They don't trust investing. So they just don't participate. So a coach can help you um, to understand it because of course you don't ever want to and I, you know, don't recommend anyone get into anything or do things with money that they don't understand. So your coach can be your teacher and your guide so that you do understand these concepts. And then you can actually participate and build wealth like everyone else that's participating. And then also a coach can help you build an investment strategy. So, you know, the thing with financial coaches versus a financial advisor or an investment advisor, a person that will actually invest your money for you, there is a difference. So financial coaches, they don't actually take your money and invest it for you, but they're your your guides and your teachers. And, um, you know, they can actually help you understand whether you can build your own investment strategy and just, you know, do self-investing, which is what I did for the majority of my money transformation, my money journey. I invested on my own. Um, I didn't, you know, pay an advisor or anyone to invest for me. As long as you have like a good investment strategy. So a coach can help you to build that strategy. And then, you know, you can determine whether you actually, you know, need a financial advisor or not, or a fashion investment advisor. So I think that's the power of a coach. And then also, as you mentioned earlier, I like when you said that coaches can help you do things quicker. So I think that, you know, you can do more and you can do it quicker with the guidance of a coach, because, you know, in my case, it's been there, done that, you know, I've learned the lessons I've had the experiences. Let me teach you, you know, my lessons learned. Let me show you, you know, roadblocks you can avoid, things like that. Like a coach can really help you guide you so that you don't have to make some of the mistakes that you would if you were just out there figuring it all out by yourself. I love that. A coach can help guide you so you don't go through all the roadblocks that maybe the coach has faced, but you can learn how to do things for yourself and you gain that education. April, you said you invested, you learned how to invest on your own. You didn't have a financial advisor. You invested on your own. So how did you feel when you finally reached the millionaire status that you were aiming for? So the funny thing is that I wasn't aiming for, you know, millionaire status, I guess you can say specifically. So I knew that I wanted to build wealth, which, you know, I know it probably sounds funny because, you know, if you're, if you think about the milestones, I mean, yeah, millionaire would be one of them, but I was just focused on, I want to do smart things with money. I want to build wealth. I want my money to grow, but I never was specifically aiming for like, let me become a millionaire. So it wasn't until I actually like, I was already a millionaire before I learned that I was one um, because I just wasn't necessarily aiming for that. And the way I found out was because I, like I said, I had invested on my own. um, And I got to the point where I was like, okay, like, is there anything that I need to do that I'm not doing? Is there anything more I can learn? Because I felt like I'd taken myself as far as I could go. So I, you know, sought out, I was like, I don't know if I want to work with an investment advisor or not, but let me just talk to one and see how it goes. And when I, you know, spoke with the investment advisor, they had, you know, looked at my numbers and everything. And, you know, he basically was the one that told me that I was a millionaire. So I think my reaction was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Like, I didn't think anything of it per se. And I think it was because I thought that it was normal. I thought that everyone else around me was doing the same things. They were saving and building, um, you know, growing their money. So I thought that I was on track with everyone else around me. But I I later learned that um, 
It was, it was, it wasn't ordinary. Like most people in my circumstances uh, or most people in general weren't in the place that I was in. So yeah, I learned that it was something extraordinary, but I think for me, I just thought it was, you know, just something everyone else was doing. I love that. We need to normalize that right now so that it actually is something that everybody else is (laughs) doing. Yes, absolutely. That's the goal. That is definitely the goal. April, I have really enjoyed talking to you. But before we go, I want you to tell us your top three tips for thriving financially. So definitely, you know, if you've got nothing else from me, you should know that I'm a big fan of the your monthly spending plan. So you definitely want to have a, a plan for managing your money on a monthly basis. And then uh, secondly, you want to eliminate your debt so that, you know, you're not paying out your money out into, you know, debt payments and interest and all of that. And then lastly, invest, put the power of compound interest to work for you. You heard it here. And now you know from April herself, the top three tips for thriving financially. Listen, once you're done listening to this episode, I want you to immediately hop over and connect with April on social media on her website, wherever you can find her. April, actually tell us where we can find you and connect with you. So on Instagram, I'm, I'm at April the Money Coach. So that's my brand. It's um, April the Money Coach. So at Instagram, I'm there. And then that's also my website, aprilthemoneycoach.com. In terms of working with me, I have both group coaching and one-on-one coaching programs. So you can learn all about that on my website, um, April the Money Coach. And then I also have a free resource for your audience. So um, it's called the Millionaire Money Checklist. And it basically provides you with the steps that I took to become a self-made millionaire in less than 15 years. Okay. So, and lastly, I have um, for your audience, a free resource that's called Called the Millionaire Money Checklist. And it basically provides you with the um, steps that I took to become a self-made millionaire in less than 15 years. It also tells you the simple yet powerful way that I manage my money on a monthly basis. And then also key things that you should consider as you're building wealth. So you can also grab that resource at aprilthemoneycoach.com forward slash checklist. And then, you know, that'll help you with some tips and, you know, quick wins that you can have on your journey for building wealth. Yes, you guys, you want to get that checklist. So make sure you hop over to her website. Of course, as you all know, I will link her details in the show notes so you can get to her easily. April, this has been absolutely phenomenal. I have enjoyed talking to you and I know my audience has enjoyed learning from you over this past episode. So thank you again for having me. Yes, thank you. It was a pleasure. All right, guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Pray, Plan, Slay podcast. We hope that you have enjoyed this episode. Be sure to like and subscribe. And also be sure to leave a comment, leave a review. Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know what you liked from this episode, what you like from the show. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Pray, Plan, Slay Podcast, or you can follow me, your host, Shantae Sapphire, at Shantae Sapphire on Instagram. And the podcast is also on Facebook at PrayPlanSlay.com. We're on Twitter at Shantae Sapphire. All that information will be below in the show notes. Thanks again for joining us.